0: book of Jude tonight, <clears throat> we'll keep you long, just preach a few moments tonight, what God's laid on her heart, you pray for us, I want to I get to the end of this book, even though it's just 25 verses, I want to get to the end of this book, but I'm not sure that uh, I will get there, I'm just going to start in verse 1. And start preaching my way through it. So uh, if uh, I'll preach till I think you've had all you can take, how's that? All right. It's the end of the jubilee or end of the uh, week of jubilee. And so we'll just see where we start. All right. Um, Jude verse number one. I'll read three verses and pray. If you'll stand with us, just to stretch your legs in reverence to the Word of God in prayer. And verse number one. The Bible said, "Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father." And preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you that and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Look at verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation godly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord. Lord Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, we do want to thank you for the privilege to be back in your house tonight. I pray that you would touch us and help us these next few moments and may you get glory and honor for all that will be said and done and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice tonight as we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, well, I want you to see in verse number 1 the greeting of Jude. He says, Jude, the, the servant of Jesus Christ. Now that's important because Jude uh, was not only the servant of Jesus Christ, but he was the half-brother of Jesus Christ and he's the brother of James. But Jude does not take the title and recognize himself as being the half-brother of Jesus, but he does uh, recognize himself as being the brother of James. And that shows the the humility of Jude uh, that Jude was not trying to elevate himself but he was elevating the Lord Jesus Christ you know that's important uh, that we to try not to get people to think much of us but we get them to think much of Christ amen as our theme is making much of Jesus and so he said he's sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called when you think about those words Jude recognizes himself as a servant he recognizes the saints as being sanctified and being preserved Served and being called all of this is in the greeting of Jude and then I want you to see the grace of Jude in verse number 2 as he said mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied you know as Christians that is what we're to what we're to illustrate is we're to illustrate the grace of God amen and Jude we see his kindness we see his as he talks about mercy and he talks about love and he talks about peace being multiplied but it's not Jude's mercy it's not his love and it's not His peace but it is the mercy and the peace and the love of our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's in, in, uh, it's illustrated in the life and the writing of Jude. And so there's the greeting of Jude. There's the grace of Jude. But when we get to verse number 3 uh, we notice the goal of Jude. Look what he said. He said Beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And so uh, we know that Jude uh, was intending to write about the common salvation. He wanted to encourage them. But there was a greater need for Jude to be writing. And that need was to encourage the saints of God that they contend for the faith. Amen. And so Jude starts this book out by talking about the faith and then if you look with me in verse number 20, he said, Bechibo of it, notice this, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Amen? So he begins it talking about faith and he ends this book talking about faith. Amen? You see what Jude is illustrating, what Jude is emphasizing, and what Jude is going to talk about is the fundamentals of the faith. Amen? You see it's important that we stay with the fundamentals. Isn't that right? And the fundamentals of who we are and what we believe and why We believe it Is all built on faith Amen You see if you don't believe tonight If you choose not to believe the fundamentals of the faith uh, Then there's not anything that God can do for you Amen And that's what this book is going to illustrate It's going to talk about those uh, uh, Who are apostates That's those who have abandoned the faith Those who have rejected the faith Those who have walked away from the faith uh, And those who have attacked the faith Faith. Amen. Uh, Jude is going to emphasize faith in verses number, verse number 3. He's going to emphasize it as he leaves this epistle in verse number 20. But in between verse 3 and 20, uh, Jude is going to talk about those uh, who want to attack the fundamentals of the faith. Amen. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the battle for fundamentalism. Amen. The battle for a fundamentalism. You see tonight, the battle for fundamentalism. uh, it is not anything new Uh, it's an age old battle amen Uh, the devil has launched an attack uh, all the way back from the garden of Eden when he told Eve yea hath God said he wanted to attack the very fundamentals of what we stand upon and that is uh, the word of God and apostates always leave uh, the teaching and the preaching and the principles and the doctrines uh, of the word of God Uh, why is this such a problem I think it's a problem in our day? Number one, because of the wickedness of society. Amen? You see, the more wicked this society gives, uh, uh, the more we can expect an attack on the church. Amen? Uh, the more we can expect an attack on those of us uh, who still believe what we've always believed. You see, tonight they want to shame us uh, and they want to silence us uh, uh, to not say the things that we've always said. Amen? It's the wickedness of society. I think the worldliness of saints uh, has brought this attack on more. You see as uh, people begin to compromise uh, as people begin to change course, uh, as people begin to go a different way, uh, the attack uh, and my friend, the battle on fundamentalism is only going to intensify. Do you realize tonight, we've not changed. Is that right? We still believe uh, Hey, there was a time when almost everybody believed the King James Bible but somewhere along the way they departed from the faith they went out from us why? because they were not of us amen it was a time when everybody believed in morality and decency and doing what was right but as society has grown more wicked saints have grown more worldly amen they've accepted things that they used to call evil and now they call it good the difference is God still calls it evil amen and the Bible still condemns what the Bible has always condemned and some have departed from the faith, uh, uh, but you and I must stay with it, Amen. And so the worldliness of saints uh, has brought this battle on, and then the waywardness of servants, God's men, Amen. And let's just be honest; uh, there are still men that are preaching and standing for the truth, and thank God for that. But there's a lot that have called it. There's a lot that have watered it down. There's a lot of men that no longer preach what they used to preach uh, uh, because they're worried about a paycheck or a number on the board, or maybe they're worried about popularity. Maybe they're worried about a retirement. I don't know. But whatever be the cause, maybe their children have changed and compromised and so they've compromised with them. But whatever the case be, there are men that used to stand strong and used to stand tall, but now they no longer preach what they once preached. They've learned how to generalize the message so that it doesn't offend no one. The truth is always going to be offensive to some. I don't think we ought to try to make enemies. I don't think we ought to try to offend people. But the truth is going to do that. And so Jude is going to deal with this. Notice here he talks about in verse number 4, he gives us the preview of these apostates. Uh, He tells us that these apostates uh, are going to be deceitful in their infiltration. He said certain men, for there are certain men crept in unawares. Now, I want to tell you the responsibility of of an under-shepherd tonight is to make sure uh, that those things do not happen. Amen. Uh, there are going to be people that's going to creep in and they're going to say a lot of things that sound good but they're not going to line up with the Bible. Uh, listen, if you're a Sunday school teacher it's important that you stay true to the text. Amen. Stay true to the Word of God and I believe we got teachers that do uh, but pray and study and walk with God and live a clean life. Amen. You have a responsibility uh, to reinforce what's being preached uh, and to inform what's being taught. Amen. And so every lesson needs to be uh, given a hundred percent. We need to leave our opinion, our ideas, and our thoughts out of it, and we just need to give the Word of God. Because the Word of God's what's going to help people. And apostates are everywhere. You'll see them at work, and you'll see them at school, and you'll see them on the radio and the ter- or hear them on the radio and see them on the television and the internet. Uh, uh, but they're deceitful in their infiltration. They creep in under the radar. Uh, they come in unaware. Is that right? And then he tells us that they're doomed in their judgment. Look what he said, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. God said, These men, listen, they're never surprised at their, God is never surprised at their evil practices. Amen? They may slip in under the radar and they may take people in the church by surprise, but they're not going to take God by surprise. You know, sometimes I hear songs and I hear sermons. And there's just something about them I can't quite tell you. But a radar goes off. I tell you, that's the Holy Spirit letting you know that something's just not right about it. Notice the desecration in their action. He said they're ungodly men. Amen. You see, godly men will point you to more godliness. Amen. Ungodly men will teach you in a way that leads to more ungodliness. Uh, they don't truly respect God and they don't respect uh, His holiness and His ways. Amen. I will be the first to tell you tonight uh, that I'm not perfect and I'm not, I'm not listen, I've not arrived, uh, but I just like I believe you'd be the, uh, say the same thing tonight but we desire holiness and we want to uh, practice holiness and we want to live uh, in a way that pleases God we can be holy amen because God would never ask us to do or be anything that would be beyond our capability I know we're sinners tonight but the Bible said be ye holy for I am holy amen and there's positional as I said this morning and there's progressive sanctification but ungodly men they're desecrated by their actions. Uh, You watch a holy man of God, he'll live a holy life. Amen. It's not what people say always in the pulpit. Look at how they live through the week. Uh, Look at the things they say through the week. Uh, Listen, they may have learned the lingo and they may be able to say a lot of good things behind the pulpit. I'm going to tell you, it's not just what they preach, uh, but look at the character of the men that are preaching. Uh, That doesn't mean that they're perfect, but men of God ought to be held to a higher standard And we ought to want to be held to a higher standard. Isn't that right? There's just some things tonight that preachers don't have no business being involved in. But you'll see the dressing down, the dumbing down, uh, that we see them this day and time. What are they wanting to do? They're wanting to take out the holiness, amen. Uh, They're wanting to turn people not to more godliness, but to more ungodliness. Uh, They're defiled in their creed. Look what he said. They, uh, They turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness now tonight think about that if you got a rock of ages Bible you probably won't find a better definition other than what's at the bottom of that page it said uncontrolled sexual desires they say this if we are saved by grace and not by words then we can sin as much as we please those who say such a thing are not saved for true believers are not pleased to sin isn't that a good definition amen, of turning the grace of God into lasciviousness I want to tell you something about grace tonight. It doesn't want to make you live unclean. It wants to make you live clean. Amen. And this crowd that says, well we're under grace and we're not under law. I know that and you know that. We're living in a grace dispensation. But just because we live in grace doesn't mean we're to waller in sin. Amen. I'm telling you when you get saved the grace of God will bring you out that it might bring you in. It'll make you want to live for God. It'll make you want to clean up your life. Life. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. But it does mean that when we sin, it grieves God and it grieves us. Amen. There's a lot of people today. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be straightforward, honest with you. There's a lot of people today. I don't think they're saved. You say you're trying to be judgmental. No, I'm just inspecting their fruit. I not only don't think they're saved, I think they're deceived. And I'm going to tell you, the people, the people sitting here tonight, that if you're struggling with your salvation, and you're saying, well, I hope I'm not deceived. I hope I'm not. You're not the person I'm talking about. Because you're wanting to be so sure you're saved. You've you've complicated it, in in not meaning to, but you've complicated, because you're so wanting to be sure that you're saved. But I'm going to tell you the people that this verse is talking about is people that live sinful and they hold their head up with no shame whatsoever in fact they have a firmness in their, uh, a boldness about them and they'll look you right square and i say well I'm saved The only problem is the things they're doing is going against the saved people don't live that way. I mean, I can do anything after I got saved that I did before I got saved. I understand that. But the difference is it ain't going to turn out the same way after I got saved. I mean, if you was a drunk before you got saved, sure, you can be a drunk after you get saved. But it ain't going to be the same way. I'm telling you, God's going to whip you and wear you out. He's going to judge you. And if you don't get right, you're headed to the graveyard. You're headed to the house. Amen. Uh, but this crowd amen uh, that says you can preach the gospel and you can drink liquor and alcohol and go to church and worship Jesus on Sunday and everything's going to be okay and it doesn't bother me. I believe them when they say that. I don't believe it bothers them one bit uh, because they don't have nothing on the inside. Uh, but if you ever get born again, I'm telling you when I got saved and I'm not a role model but when I got saved I didn't know John three sixteen, uh, but something on the inside uh, started working on things on the outside and I was just a boy and I'm telling you God is not a respecter of person what he'll do for one, he's done for others tonight. Amen. I can tell you now we ain't getting to verse twenty five, but that'll be all right, won't it? We'll have a good time to wherever we get to. I'm just telling you tonight, the previews of these apostates. why do they attack fundamentalism? I'm going to tell you why. The battle is because they have an ungodly character. They do not know the Jesus of this Bible. They may preach some Jesus, but they don't preach the Jesus of this Bible. They may take verses and scriptures and use things, and there may be a there may be a parse of truth in what they're saying. It may sound the same, but if you listen to it long enough, you'll see it. If you look at their lifestyle, it does not line up, amen I worry about people that make fun of old time religion I worry about people that makes fun of preachers men of God oh we've all seen funny things in church and I don't think there's nothing wrong, I mean listen if something funny is going to happen, it's going to happen in church ain't it, I hope it don't happen tonight amen But you know, it's going to happen in church. We've laughed about things like, there's a difference in in laughing about something humorous that might have happened in church as opposed to mocking a man of God, making fun of a man of God, making fun of the way maybe he preaches or making fun of him as an individual. Oh, they made fun of Elijah, didn't they? Amen. And I'll tell you, those she bears come out and tore up uh, 42 uh, uh, of them, wasn't it? I think the Bible talks about. Hey, God takes it serious. Amen. And we have to be serious we ought to I don't believe uh, uh, we're to set a a preacher up on a pedestal we're not to worship a preacher I tell you I think about men of God that's preached to my souls down through the ears uh, and I tell you uh, if I was to make fun of those men uh, and mock those men I might as well go out and dig me a grave uh, and get it ready amen Uh, something bad's gonna happen if you're saved uh, and you mock the man of God I mean you can see it all through the scriptures amen and I tell you we ought to be careful what we say and I believe you are But you watch people that come in. Some people tonight, the Bible talks about here that they're deniers of Christ. Look at this. They deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do they deny Christ? Why do they make fun of of those men that preach the truth and those men that stand for the fundamentals of the faith? I'll tell you why. It's not those men that they despise. It's the Jesus that they despise. It's the book that they preach. It's the Christianity that they uphold. It's what they represent. Amen? It's what they're standing for that is an irritation to them. That's why apostates attack fundamentalism. That's why they make fun of us. And they make fun of the way we worship. Uh, they make fun of our Bible Uh, they make fun of our standards Uh, they make fun of our doctrine, our principles why? their battle's not with us Uh, their battle is with what we're standing for, their battle is who we're serving, oh they may say they're serving the same God the only difference is it don't bring the same results amen, I'm telling you friend if you've been in this thing any length of time uh, you know that there's some reality to what we're talking about, you know as it was said this week, God is real his book is real, his spirit is real. I'm telling you, He works uh, in men's hearts. Uh, you think about sinners that come to an altar and get born in the family of God. We've seen them come out of the sepuls of sin. We've seen them come out of the depths of religion and God changed them. Uh, only God could do that. Amen. Now this would probably make a liberal upset, but that's alright. We live in a day when they say, well, the ESV, the NIV, the, all those different perversions. But you trace back every real revival that ever shook America's foundation. You know what book it came from? The one I'm preaching out of tonight. The one you got in your lap. Apostates hate that. They're deniers of Christ. And so what Jude gives us here is he gives us here a uh, talking about uh, the battle of fundamentalism. He gives us a preview of these apostates. And then he gives us a pattern. I'm going to mention this pattern and I'm just going to cut it off and pick it up at another time. Uh, maybe Wednesday night, maybe a Sunday a week. I don't know. But I'm talking about, look at the pattern of them in verses 5 through 7. He said, I will therefore put you in remembrance though you once knew how that the Lord having saved the people out the land of Egypt afterward notice this destroyed them that believe not look at the pattern of these apostates that attack fundamentalism he uses three illustrations here he's going to use the first illustration and he's going to talk about unbelieving Israelites uh, he's talking about those Israelites they were brought out of Egypt but notice what the Bible said uh, that he destroyed them that believe not now I want to tell you something about unbelief. Unbelief tonight is a choice. Amen? You see some people struggle with doubt. And there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. What doubt says is that I believe, I want to believe, but I'm struggling to believe. Amen? You remember that man that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. He was just acknowledging the fact that I'm struggling here. I'm doubting. I believe, but I doubt. And I think God's people struggle with doubt. That doesn't mean you're you lost, that doesn't mean you're not right with God. I'm telling you, John the Baptist doubted. He said, Art thou he or should we look for another? He baptized Jesus, was kin to Jesus, was filled, was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. But in that moment of imprisonment and death, John had his doubts. And Jesus complimented him by saying there wasn't a greater than John the Baptist. Amen. But unbelief is not that way. When Jesus went into Capernaum and announced his call to preach in Luke chapter number 2 listen this crowd uh, by choice uh, they chose not to believe uh, the word of God you see that's what apostasy is Uh, it's rejecting the truth amen and these Israelites uh, they crossed the Red Sea they heard the voice of God they saw the work of God but in spite of what they heard and in spite of what they saw they chose by their own will and by their own volition uh, not to believe God God amen you know tonight young people listen to me especially you young people tonight listen to me you've grown up in this church or a church like this you've grown up with godly parents and all you've ever known is the right way and the good way and all you've ever heard is preaching from a King James Bible you may have already faced this if you haven't you will but listen to me tonight you have to make a choice you have to make a choice Your parents cannot choose for you. And I'm going to take it a step further. You will make a choice. Now you can make this choice at any time in your life. Hey, listen, you boys that are sitting here tonight, some of you are younger. Some of you are are, are younger than, than others. You can make a choice at five years old. You can make a choice at six years old. I'm not just talking about salvation tonight. I'm talking about you have to make a choice when you're sitting in that Sunday school class. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe what this book says? Do you believe that this Bible is the only book? Do you believe it's the Word of God? You make that choice. You, have, you don't have to wait. Don't wait till you're 18 to make that choice. But you're going to make... You see, when young people grow up in church and they grow up in a godly home, young people listen to me. When you get old enough to make your own choices out there, it will tell us what kind of choices you made in here. What you do, 18, 19, 20, hey, some of you young adults, you 19, 20, 21-year-olds, how you're living will tell what you believe tonight. You see, I've seen parents, I've had them sit in my office and I've wept with them and they've cried. They've cried and, grandparents, and wept their eyes out because their children or grandchildren went to the world. And this, it's, always, it's always the same. Listen to me. It's always the same. The story does not change what I'm about to tell you. When they choose to go their own way, here's what happens. The parents are the one living with guilt. They'll say the same thing. They'll say, well, I know I'm not, I've not been a good parent. I know I failed. I tell you, there's things in my life I've done and I've come up short. She's come up short. They're acknowledged, It's like they're repenting. And then the second thing they'll do is they'll, they'll weep. And I've had parents sit there and reveal all their faults and all their mistakes. And young people sit there just stone cold. Or if they say anything, they, say they start blaming their parents. You know how many times that's happened? It's not happened once. It's not happened twice. It's not happened ten times. It's not even. It's, it's more times than I can. It's the same story, and it's different faces. You want know to start doing a few years ago? I stopped them right in the middle of it. When I know it's people in this church that you've raised your kids right, and you know every parent in this room would say we've not been perfect, isn't that right? Nobody's perfect. Now when I see a parent sitting there weeping their eyes out and they got this enormous amount of guilt and then I see this other young person who's living in sin who's rebelling against their own parents and they don't don't even have any remorse and the only thing they do have to say if they say anything is something they blame their parents for. You know what I see there? I see no repentance. When people are not right with God, mark this down. If you don't know this, write it in your Bible so you never forget it. When people are not right with God, here's what they always do. They always blame other people for what they're doing. It's a sure sign that they've not repented. And I've told those parents in front of those young people more times than not, I've said, quit blaming yourself. No, you're not perfect. Some of you sitting here tonight. No, you're not perfect. But you did the best you could. Can I get an amen right there? Could you have done better? Sure you could. We all could have done better. And if I could hit rewind, don't you think I'd change some things? There's a lot of things. Because you know why? When you start raising kids, you don't know how to raise children when they're born. I didn't know. Man, you get, it's like it's I think it was um, I think it was Adrian Rogers said this one time. It was great. He said, you know, he said, when you get employed as a parent, he said, you don't know how to do anything. He said, and by the time you figure out how to do it, guess what? You're unemployed. They're gone. And that's why young married couples, that's why parents are always, grandparents are always saying this and that. That probably gets on your nerve, but take it, listen to some of it. I'll tell you why. It's because we say that because now we wish we could go back and do some things over. Nobody gets us to do that. But I will tell you this, I said all that to say this. Tonight, that unbelief is when you make a conscious choice. I'm not believing this. That's why those teenagers go the way they do. They make a choice. They made a choice. I don't know if they made it at 12. I don't know if they made it at 13 or 14. They may have made it at nine, and you keep praying for them. But somewhere's in their heart in the secret place that nobody sees but them and God. They made a choice that they tucked away and they covered it up with the cloak of religion. But it's coming out one day. And young people, I'm saying this to you. You make that choice. You're going to serve God. It don't have to be like that. I'm telling you, not everybody crossed that river was in unbelief. There were some of them that chose not to believe. But thank God, there were some that when they got on the other side, amen, when they come out of Egypt and they saw what God did for them, they believed God, amen, to the end. Uh, Until you say, who was that? Joshua and Caleb, amen. And listen, Caleb, at 85 years old, he said, I'm still going to get that mountain. You know why? But Caleb, you're too old. He said, I'm not. Stand out of the way. You say, what was it that drove Caleb to the top of that mountain after 40 years being in the wilderness I'll tell you what it was he believed God when he was young and so he still believed God when he was old if you make a choice when you're young to believe God you can stay with it all the days of your life you let it get down in the recesses of your soul and you make your mind up I choose to trust him I choose to live for him I choose to believe him tonight it works doesn't it I I want to tell you, careful not to use myself, but I want to say one thing. I'm telling you, I know it from experience. I know it as a teenager. That if you choose to serve God when you're young, you can and you will serve Him. No matter what, no matter who. Unbelieving Israelites. That's the pattern of apostasy. It begins with unbelief. When you start to walk away from the truth. When you reject, when you abandon what you've been taught, it begins with unbelief. Then secondly, notice this, the unwilling angels disbelief in verse 5, disobedience in verse 6, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, hath he reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. What's this illustration about? It's a lack of submission to the will of God. You see, these angels stepped out of the bounds of what God had created them for because they weren't willing to submit. They had a leader, Lucifer, and they followed him. Be careful about following leadership that God didn't ordain and put in your life. Amen? You follow your parents God, put them in your life. You follow your pastor, your preacher's wife. God, put them in your life for a reason. You follow them. Listen, that's what happened to these angels. They were unwilling and it begins with unbelief. At an early age, you choose not to believe. As you get older, you get unwilling to cooperate and do what you know is right. I'm telling you, unbelief always leads to unwillingness in the will of God. But you know what? If you'll stay with what's right, if you'll choose what is right, if you'll stick with the fundamentals of the faith, those fundamentals are foundational things uh, that hold us in the right way and they keep us in the center of God's will. I'm thankful for this book, aren't you? I believe tonight. It's a fundamental. I believe in the local church. I believe... I believe tonight that as we get saved we are baptized into one body as believers and and I don't like to use the word universal church because it's been used as as a form of ecumenicalism and all that and so I try to stay away from it for that reason Uh, but I do believe that it doesn't matter listen if a man got saved he may join a Methodist church somebody may join a Presbyterian church but if they trusted Jesus Christ uh, they're going to the same heaven and they're part of the bride is that right Uh, I do believe that tonight Uh, I don't like to use the phrase universal uh, because of the apostates of our day. We're not holding hands with Catholics and Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses uh, uh, because that's not a denomination. That's an occult, amen? And we're not going to bid them Godspeed. But what I'm saying tonight is this. Uh, uh, listen, in spite of all of that, I believe in the local New Testament church because it's in this book. I believe we tithe to the church. The Bible teaches the tithe is the Lord's. It was his before the law, it was his during the law, and it was his after the law. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And so we tithe to the church. We give our missions to the church. We do everything through the local church. Amen. We don't go off rogue and do something outside the bounds of the local church. And we're seeing a lot of that in these days and time. I remember a few years ago a man came to me. Uh, and he said, hey, he said so and so in the church. Uh, it was somebody that had been visited. And they wanted to start a prayer meeting. And they wanted to invite some people from the church the prayer meeting Uh, you know and so I just said something to the individual I said sir I said listen not trying to be ugly but whatever we do we do it through the local church he said well it's my house if I want to have a prayer meeting he said I'll have one I said you can but I said you're not going to come around here and invite a bunch of people I already know how that's going to go amen Uh, you're not starting something outside the local church can I get an amen hey anything with two heads is a freak can I get a witness on that and brother I'm telling you listen I got problems with people that's got problems Uh, We're trying to do things outside the bounds of the local church. I'm a local church man. That's a fundamental of faith. I've never done anything. I'm talking about. I've never done anything that what I didn't go through the local church to do it. Amen. Say why is that? Because it's right. Because it's the Bible, brother. I'm telling you, we're living in a day when people just. I mean, I'm so disconnected from this current day we're living in and don't want to be connected with it. but people just do anything nowadays but I want to tell you something tonight if you're right with God and you love this book you want to be willing to follow the will of God, submission unbelieving Israelites, unwilling angels and let me close with this he gives a third illustration, unholy cities look at the pattern it starts in verse number 5 with disbelief In verse 6, it goes to disobedience. And when you get to verse number 7, there's defilement. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth. Why? As an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. You see, God made an example of these wicked cities. Why? Because they were wicked. They had wicked morals. And wicked morals are often duplicated. When people leave the Word of God, when people reject truth, when people when they abandon what is right, their life never gets better. Have you noticed that? They never leave and go on to holiness, but they always leave and go on to more defilement, to more ungodliness is what they go to. And tonight, that's what you and I have to remember. Hey, The local church, the New Testament church, preaching, uh, uh, sitting under the Word of God, reading the Bible, staying with the fundamentals of the faith. You know what it's done? It's brought the right things. It's brought sound doctrine into our life. You know, you can get saved and you can get in a church. But if you don't get in a church that preaches and teaches the, the truth, and you're never going to grow. And there's some things that you're never going to know what's right and what's wrong. Think about tonight what God has let us hear, even just this week. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, there was something preached that helped and there was something to preach that hit everyone of us. Isn't that right? You know, it's a good thing, isn't it? Thank God for we can go to church and we can hear preaching. I'm not talking about in a mean spirit. But thank God we can hear preaching that helps us and preaching that hits us. I mean, oftentimes, even as a preacher, I'll preach something and it'll convict my own soul because that's what the Bible does, isn't it? I want to go to church. I want to be helped. I need to be hit. Amen. I don't want to be hurt. But if you got the attitude and I have the attitude I want to be helped. When you get hit, you're not going to get hurt. Amen. Because you know it's right and you know it'll help you. And uh, listen, I'm glad we go and we hear preaching where preachers will deal with stuff. I, I don't know if you realize it or not how how watered down things are today because preachers feel the pressure. They're feeling the pressure in every direction to just you know just not say anything about some things. Right here it is. The Bible still talks about the sin of sodomy, doesn't it? It's right here in this text tonight. Sodomy is still sin. They want these young people to think it's okay for boys to go to girls' bathrooms and girls to go to boys. That's wicked, ain't it? And that's warped. I'm going to tell you, if I had a small child nowadays, there's no way I'd just let them go in a restroom by themselves. Not even in a church. I mean, you just don't know anymore. And then they they, want to teach them that they can be, if they're a girl, they can be a boy. If that's why, and a boy, they want to be a girl. I'm going to tell you something. Oh, that's wicked. It's perverted and it's demonic. And I'm going to tell you, I don't even like to talk about it. If you want to know the truth, it's so wicked. But we have to say something about it. uh, Because God, young people, God made you. Uh, If you're a girl, God made you a girl. If you're a boy, God made you a boy. And God intends for a young man when he grows up to marry a young lady. And a young lady when she grows up to marry a young man. And anything outside of that, God said that's an abomination. Uh, That means that's a stench in the nostrils of a thrice holy God. And the reason that this ungodly world, wants you to believe those ungodly things is because they've rejected the truth I, I listen they, they, I, they choose not to believe the truth I, they're unwilling to do what God said they don't like to retain God in their knowledge I, and the result of that is it leads to more and more ungodliness and wickedness now hear me I want to be clear today I'm not telling you that the people there was a, people killed this weekend in tornadoes And I'm not telling you the people that got killed in a tornado was under God's judgment. Hey, a tornado could just as soon hit my house as anybody's. What I'm telling you tonight is this. You look it up in the Bible. Every time, I cannot remember if it's 38 times, 39 times, but every time you find the word whirlwind in the Bible, it's always in reference to judgment. Even when Elijah was taken up into heaven, God was removing his prophet. It's a picture of judgment. And I was, I was listening to the news uh, yesterday and they said that, that one of the largest outbreaks, 60 tornadoes in over 10 states this past week. The devastation. I don't remember how many people was killed. 60 tornadoes in over 10 states. You know, there was a book I read years ago. I think it was called Eye to Eye. I think it might be the name of the book where God documented in American history how many times that when America either uh, put their stamp of approval on some abomination, some sin, or they put their hand toward Israel, God brought judgment. We talked about Hugo, Katrina, Andrews, those tornadoes which now has far exceeded that outbreak. When Bill Clinton brought uh, Arafat on a ten day uh, tour to this uh, country it was a, at that moment it was the largest outbreak uh, in, in, in American history of tornadoes for those ten days and the day that he got on the plane, it's documented, the day that he got on the plane and left, they ceased. I think that's a coincidence. When Bush was at the Madrid conference trying to get him to give away the West Bank, his home was being blown away at the very moment. All down there, you think about the wickedness of Mardi Gras and the wickedness that goes on. I'm telling you, no Christian, no Christian goes to Bourbon Street. You know why God buried that city underwater? Because God will, just like He did Sodom and Gomorrah. In this country, we're experiencing the judgment of God tonight. I'm not telling you those people that was killed was under judgment. Their innocent people die when the God's judgment falls. Amen. But I'm telling you tonight, America needs our prayers. Where did it all begin? Abandoning the truth. Tonight as we stand, I want to tell you what it's in my heart. Buy the truth and sell it not. I know I'm preaching to the choir in preaching this text tonight but I just encourage you stay with the truth young people stay with the truth moms and dads stay with the truth raise your kids on it and I know that you are but thank God for this Bible read it to them have them memorize it we need to memorize it every day stay in the word of God and we'll see people change some of your friends will change some of your family members may change but don't you ever change don't let this world sway you. Don't let people sway you. Don't let things you hear and things you see sway you. Just let the Bible be your guide. Let it be what sway, what keeps you in the right way. Sound doctrine. We'll sing a couple verses tonight. If you need to come, you come tonight.